You might remember it was 12 months ago when the Sydney Lord Mayor, Clover Moore, uh, decided to downsize Christmas. And there she was, she was labelled as the Christmas Grinch. And yes, you thought the Christmas Grinch was actually a student minister here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. <laughs> no, Clover Moore was labelled as the uh, Christmas Grinch. And the thing that she did was she actually decided to decorate the town hall with just a single Christmas tree. And she did it, it was all in part of an effort uh, to avoid offending non-Christian immigrants. Well, at the time, the Daily Telegraph wrote, 2004 is the year Sydney forgot Christmas, and across the city, people are infuriated. Even the New South Wales Premier at the time, uh, Bob Carr, a self-confessed atheist, he also urged Clovermore to liven up Sydney's Christmas decor. The Alan Jones radio, radio program was flooded with angry callers. The show's producer said, We have had hundreds of callers, everyone protesting about this. People like Christmas no matter what their religion is. It seems when it comes to Christmas, our society loves to celebrate it. But it also seems that when it comes to Christmas in our society, it doesn't really matter much what you believe. What's important is the celebration itself. Uh, celebrating for celebration's sake. Uh, this year I've already received numerous Christmas cards from people wishing me a joyful, happy, peaceful, meaningful Christmas, and many, many of these from my pagan friends and family. And I'll go out to various Christmas parties with these people in the next week. It seems that our society, in our society, Christmas has nothing to do with history or facts or reason. It seems that the logic of Christmas has been replaced with the, the magic of Christmas, whatever that is. Um, do you have family and friends that feel this way? You know, people, family and friends that will love to celebrate Christmas with you, but, but don't necessarily believe anything? Or maybe, maybe you're like that yourself. If so, what does the Bible have to say about this kind of thinking? Well, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this evening takes us back to the very first Christmas. In the passage, we're introduced to one of the key groups in the Christmas story. We're introduced to the shepherds. And as we look at them, I think we're going to be challenged. Challenged to think differently about Christmas. I think we're going to be challenged to have a very reasonable Christmas. But before we go on, let's pray. Our Father, as we consider this evening, that very first Christmas... We pray that you would help us, help us to understand anew what happened on that day 2,000 years ago and how it affects each of us gathered here this evening and the society in which we live. Amen. Now, if you don't already, can I encourage you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. That's page 725 of the small print, 1591 of the large print Bibles. The Gospel of Luke. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Now, this story of the shepherds, it comes just after we've been told that Jesus has been born. And we're told that these shepherds, they're out in the fields, it's night time, 
And they're doing what shepherds do best. They're out there, they're looking after their sheep. Read with me uh, verse 8. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, I guess you couldn't say there's anything particularly special about these shepherds. Uh, they're not rich, powerful, influential men. They're just simple, ordinary shepherds. But on this particular night, something extraordinary was about to happen to them. They were about to have an encounter with one of God's angels. Verse 9. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, I guess when these shepherds, shepherds uh, bundied on at the beginning of their shift earlier that day, there was no way in the world that they were ever, you know, could ever have expected that anything like this was going to happen. That an angel of God would appear before them. That the darkness of the night would be shattered as the glory of God shone all around them. What was happening here was obviously an event of immense magnitude. It's no wonder they were terrified. But this was no time for fear. This was no time for dread. Rather, it was to be a time of joy. Why? Because the angel had come to bring a message of good news. Look with me, verse 10. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. This is a message from God, one that doesn't bring fear, but one that brings joy. And what is this good news? Well, it's the news that a baby has been born. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Now, the announcement of the birth of a baby, it's always exciting, isn't it? Uh, it's news that just has to be told. And I think grandmothers have to be the worst. Uh, I know that in my family, uh, whenever there's a new grandchild born, well, there's no way you can ring my parents' place for about two, three months because the phone's just constantly engaged with my mum ringing up everybody that she knows to tell them the good news. And then when she's told everybody she knows, well, I'm pretty sure she goes randomly through the telephone book uh, telling people everybody she doesn't know too. See, so the announcement of the birth of a baby, it's a natural response. But this announcement's different. For God to send an angel to announce this birth. For God to say that the birth of this child is good news of great joy for all people. Well, that marks this out as no ordinary birth, doesn't it? What is it then that makes this birth so different? Well, this baby is a saviour. What did we read? A saviour has been born to you. Yes, a saviour has been born to these shepherds. What sort of saviour would a Jewish shepherd need? One that would protect his sheep from the wolves? Well, that's hardly uh, good news of great joy for all people, isn't it? No, this baby is the long-awaited Christ. 
Read with me verse 11 again. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's why this birth is so significant. The angel has declared that the long-awaited Christ has come. The one promised long ago, the one whom Israel has longed for, for centuries. That special deliverer, not just a king, but the king. The one who would come and set Israel free. The one who would come and bring peace between people and God. This one, says the angel, has now been born. I wonder what went through the minds of the shepherds as they heard this news that their Christ had been born. Perhaps they thought that, well, if it's all true, that this baby would grow up to become sort of, some sort of great military leader, one who would defeat all of Israel's enemies. Maybe that's what they thought. Well, we know from the rest of Scripture that Jesus didn't grow up to be one who would save Israel by military conquest. We know that he was another kind of saviour. We know that he went on to be a saviour who rescues people from their sins. In other words, this Jesus would save people from the consequences of their rebellion against God. That rebellion that has severed the relationship between people and God. All people and God. You and me included. That rebellion that has brought death and judgment upon all people, you and me included. Now this baby, this Jesus, would somehow bring forgiveness to God's people. God had sent a saviour. You see, God had looked at the world and he saw its greatest need and he responded to it. If the world's greatest need had been information, then God would have sent us an educator. If the world's greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If the world's greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If the world's greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But God looked at the world and he saw that its greatest need was forgiveness. And so he sent us a saviour. The angel announced that the saviour of the world had arrived. It is perhaps the most significant message that's ever been given. But it's a message that's significant only as long as it is true. And so the angels offer the shepherds a sign. It is, in fact, an invitation, an invitation for these shepherds to check it all out for themselves, to check out the truthfulness of the message. Verse 12, verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's an invitation to check out the truthfulness of the message. You see, in Bethlehem that night, I wouldn't be surprised if there were two, three, four babies born. I wouldn't be surprised if there were the same number uh, wrapped in cloths. But surely there would be only one baby found in that ridiculous predicament of lying in a manger, of lying in an animal's feeding trough. 
If this checks out, then everything that the angel said about the birth of the Christ, it's made credible. And with this, the single angel is joined by a whole army of angels. An army that doesn't declare war, but peace. An army that together praises God. Look with me from verse 13. Suddenly a great company of their heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. And with that, the angels leave. Once again, darkness fills the sky. Once again, silence fills the air. And with the departure of the angels, what do the shepherds do? Well, of course, they look at one another. They stretch, they yawn, and they say, well, good night then, I'm off to bed. No, of course they don't. There's no way. There's no way they could. No, they do the only reasonable thing they could do. They take the angel up on his offer. They hurry off and they check out the truth of it all for themselves from verse 15. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. What a thrill. What a thrill it must have been for these shepherds to arrive in Bethlehem and see for themselves things just as the angels said they would be. It was all true. This wasn't some hoax. This wasn't some fairy tale. There he was, the newborn baby, wrapped in cloths, lying in an animal's feeding trough. It was true. He was the saviour. Here was the Christ sent by God. The shepherds heard the message from the angel and they did the only reasonable thing they could. They checked it out. Well, friends, I stand here before you this evening with a message for you from God's word, the Bible. And yes, it's true, I'm no angel. I know some of you might find that hard to believe, but it's true. I am no angel. But I have a message from God to you nonetheless. It's a message that a saviour has been born for you. That Jesus, the Christ, has been born to take care of your greatest need. The forgiveness of sins. I bring you an offer of peace with God tonight. I guess the question is this. Now that you have heard this message, what will you do with it? Will you ignore it? Good night then, I'm off to bed. Will you celebrate this Christmas without any further thought to this message of salvation? Or will you do the only reasonable thing you can do? Will you check it out to see if it's true? Last week, I had a chat with one of my neighbours. I told her that for me, if Jesus 
really didn't live, if he didn't die, if he wasn't truly raised from death to life, if it wasn't all based on historical fact, that I would give up Christianity instantly. Well, my neighbour, who isn't a Christian, by the way, was appalled. She was appalled to think that I would be prepared to give up my faith simply because it wasn't based on truth. We all have to believe in something, is what she said. For her truth didn't matter. But why is it that truth matters in every aspect of our lives, except for religion? What nonsense. Of course truth matters. To say anything else is just not reasonable. If the whole story of Jesus being the Christ, the saviour of the world, is no more than a fairy tale, then forget about it. Go back to tending your sheep or whatever it is that you do. Go and enjoy your holidays. Don't give any significant thought to Jesus this Christmas time. I'm sorry for wasting your time here this evening. But if it is true, then you just can't forget about it, can you? The only reasonable thing you can do is to check it out for yourself. Decide once for all the truth or the error of Christianity. But be reasonable. Well, how can you do that? How can you check out the truth of it all? It's a bit late to hurry off to Bethlehem to see a baby lying in a manger. Well, let me begin, uh, suggest that you begin by reading the whole account of Jesus' life as it's recorded in the Gospels. Now, this evening we've been looking at the story of the shepherds. It's just one small part of the Gospels, the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. Out in the foyer, I'll make sure they're there later on, we have a number of uh, Gospel tracks, the story of Jesus' life. They're yours, they're out there, they're there for you to take, they're free. Please take them and consider what's in these pages, whether they ring of fairy tale or whether they ring of truth. There's also a book out there called More Than a Carpenter. Uh, this is also yours, free, if you would like to investigate Christianity some more. But please take them and be reasonable. If you have questions, then, then ask Jeff, ask, ask myself, ask somebody that you're sitting beside tonight. Check it out for yourself. But what if you're here this evening and you've already checked it out for yourself? You've already checked out Christianity and you've already decided that it is true. Well, I think the story of the shepherds has something to say to you too. I think that it encourages you too to be reasonable. See, now that the shepherds have heard the... the have had the truth of the angel's message confirmed. Well, they now go and they do the only reasonable thing they could do. In fact, they do two things. Firstly, they go and they tell other people the angel's message. The shepherds spread the word, verse 17. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds heard the message. 
They checked out the truth of the message and now they go off and they tell other people the message. I mean, it's the only logical thing they could have done, surely. After all, this is good news of great joy for all people. The saviour of the world has arrived. To hear this immensely important news and then keep it to themselves, well, that would be about the most unreasonable thing they could have done. It would be like learning of the cure for cancer and then not telling anybody about it. Well, the challenge for us Christians this Christmas time is for us to be reasonable. To not just hear, to not just know the message, but to take that next logical step and tell other people about it. To tell people that Jesus was born to save them from their sins. And what a wonderful opportunity it is that we have at this time of the year. See, for most people, Christmas is a great vacuum that exists for truth. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to fill it. To write gospel messages on our Christmas cards that we send to people. To slip in a a Christian book with a present that we're giving to somebody. To direct our conversations onto the topic of Jesus. To invite somebody to our Christmas services. To put more effort into creating gospel opportunities than into making sure that our homes are decorated just right. But be reasonable this Christmas and share the message of salvation with others. And finally, secondly and finally, the other logical thing that the shepherds do is they leave glorifying and praising God for sending a saviour. Verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The message of salvation was given, the message of salvation was confirmed, and now these shepherds are compelled to praise and glorify God. After all, he is the one behind this salvation. He is the author of this salvation. It is the only reasonable thing to do. You see, friends, long after the tinsel has come down and long after the pine needles have been vacuumed up, well, Jesus remains the saviour of your sinful self, as he will do into all eternity. If that is true, then surely we are each compelled to live lives that praise God, that glorify him. Surely the only reasonable thing to do is to now relate to him with words of thanks and with lives of obedience. So yes, we might live in a society that loves to celebrate Christmas, yet a society that has replaced the logic of Christmas with the magic of Christmas. But I want to finish this evening by wishing you all a very reasonable Christmas. I want to encourage you to be like the shepherds in that first Christmas. I want to encourage you to be reasonable in checking out the truth of Christianity, picking up one of these booklets that I told you about on the way out, asking the questions that you have, 
I want to encourage you to respond to this gospel news by telling others the message of salvation, taking every opportunity this Christmas to tell people what Jesus has done for them. And I want to encourage you to be reasonable in responding to this good news by glorifying and praising God, living lives of thanksgiving and obedience. Because, friends, when we do these things, our Christmas will be something more than celebrating for celebration's sake. It will be grounded on facts. It will be grounded on logic. It will be grounded on the most wonderful truth of all, that a saviour has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God of all truth. We thank you that you are also the God who saw our greatest need of forgiveness and did something about it. We thank you that you sent Jesus to be our saviour. We thank you that when we trust in Jesus, we don't put our trust in a fairy tale, but in the reality of a genuine rescuer. Father, we pray for those among us here this evening who are yet undecided about Jesus. We pray that you would help them to investigate him and show them the truth. We pray for our society and particularly for our family and our friends that they too might consider seriously the life and the work of Jesus Christ. And we pray for us here who already believe that we too might respond appropriately to our our Saviour, sharing with all the good news of salvation and glorifying and praising you, our mighty God and Saviour. Amen.